calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello and welcome to this episode of Take 15, coming to you from the annual conference in Hong Kong. I'm Lauren Foster, Content Director with CFA Institute, and joining me today is Mary Gentili. Professor Gentili is the creator and director of Giving Voice to Values at the University of Virginia's Darden School of Business, where she teaches. She's also the author of numerous books and articles, including the award-winning Giving Voice to Values, How to Speak Your Mind When You Know What's Right. Welcome, Mary. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Lauren. Now, in the late 1990s and sort of early 2000s, you had what you call <laughs> a crisis of faith that changed the course of your teaching. And one question that you were wrestling with was, is it ethical to teach business ethics? So why were you asking that question and how did you resolve that in your mind? Yeah, thank you. That's a good question. Um, I had been working in the field of values-driven leadership development and business ethics teaching in business schools and in organizations for several decades. And I began to think that maybe the way we were approaching this, in all good faith, um, was, you know, at, at best futile and at worst a little hypocritical. Um, I think it's because we were using what I call the preach and pretend method. We would, we would sort of educate or preach to mm -hmm. our students or organizational members what the right thing to do was and then we'd pretend that they knew how to do it. And what I was finding more and more in my experience is that although of course there are issues where people aren't clear what's right, often some of the most egregious challenges we face are times when people know what they think the right thing to do is, they just are facing pressures that make them feel that they don't have a choice to mm -hmm. do that. And so my crisis of faith was feeling that you know, life is short, I want to do something that matters. I didn't think the way we were approaching it was effective. So this crisis of faith gave rise to the giving voice to values. Um, tell us, what is giving voice to values? Yes, it's a, it's a new approach to values-driven leadership development. Um, it's a pedagogy, a curriculum, a methodology. It's based on a lot of research out there that suggests that if you really want to have an impact on people's behavior, that rehearsal, pre-scripting, uh, uh, practice, peer coaching are very effective strategies. Uh, rather than, uh, as, the, as the scholars whose field is often referred to as positive deviance say, it's more effective to ask people to, um, rather than asking people to think their way into a different way of acting, it's more effective to ask people to act their way into a different way of thinking. So it's really a, a, a pedagogical approach, a training approach that um, invites people to consider what if you wanted to do and then we premise the, the ethical, the most appropriate action, how could you get that done? So okay. instead of asking you what, what would you do, we ask you what if you were this person who has decided this is right, how can you get it done? And so it, it gives people the chance to, rather than thinking about values as constraints on their action, a bunch of thou shalt not, mm. it gives them an opportunity to think about 
uh, innovative, creative, uh, problem-solving approaches to enacting a particular behavior. And so it taps into the strengths they already have. Interesting. So I read that giving voice to values cases uh, present a challenge of implementation uh, rather than decision making. Can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, so one business school dean referred to them as post-decision making cases. Um, I used to run the case writing program at Harvard Business School and I'm sure people listening to this are very familiar with traditional case studies. Um, our our uh, cases, our scenarios in giving voice to values are very brief. They're often just a paragraph or a few pages. They feature people at every level in the organization because people start encountering these challenges right away, not just, you don't wait till you're CEO to encounter these kinds of challenges. But the big difference is they are post-decision making. They conclude with a protagonist who knows what they believe the right thing to do is. And the question becomes, how can you get it done effectively? What do you say? What are the kinds of objections you're going to face? We call those the reasons and rationalizations we've identified. Uh, the most frequent ones that we hear in business and we've actually helped people unpack them and strategize about how to reframe their approaches and to build a set of allies and to actually have positive impact. I think the main thing to think is that rather than thinking that ethics requires you to be a philosopher, <laughs> um, we're actually tapping into the skills that already make you successful as a manager. Your communication skills, your power and influence skills, your negotiation skills, your problem reframing skills, and apply those to values conflicts. Well, speaking of applications, do you think that the giving voice to values uh, is applicable to the investment management industry? And have you had experience working with investment firms that have uh, adopted uh, the giving voice to values approach. Yes, I'm actually working with quite a few corporations that are using giving voice to values now primarily because they see it as an action-oriented approach as opposed to an analysis approach and because um, many of the organizations I've worked with will say, you know, this isn't just about ethics, it's really about leadership because leadership is often about communicating difficult responses. Now while I have worked with some organizations in the financial sector, my work with the CFA Institute is really um, the first time that I'm focusing uh, specifically on the investment management and advising um, profession. I think it's going to be very exciting and there's a lot of potential here. It's, a, it's an industry where there, there's so much information and the approach to ethics has often been um, more technical, more rule-oriented, more compliance-oriented. Mm -hmm. It's a highly regulated field, um, and I, therefore I think that there's just so much potential to actually enable people to feel more comfortable in acting rather than simply identifying where the, where the lines are. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, we're at a CFA Institute event. Um, how does giving voice to values uh, relate to the efforts of CFA Institute to promote ethics and integrity through its code of ethics and standards of professional conduct. Right. Well, CFA has long been um, very committed to and known for its attention to ethics and professional standards. Um, obviously, CFA has its own uh, code of conduct and, and um, values guidelines. Um, but again, the approach has often been a matter of providing case examples based on real-life types of situations and figuring out where where is the line, you know, does this violate our code and which aspect of our code is this in alignment or out of alignment with. And so I've been working with some of the CFA mm -hmm. um, educators to say, let's look at some of those same real life scenarios and then go to the next step. All right, 
what could those individuals um, have done at various points in those scenarios to avoid the ethical infractions if they fell prey to them, um, to change the organizational response, to change the culture. So we've started building um, uh, new sort of uh, teaching territory onto the curriculum that they already share. And I think CFA is excited about the potential to really have an impact on, on the profession in that way. That's exciting. So many people would claim to know right from wrong and yet don't actually act on it. So what is it that so often stops us from acting on our values even when we know what's right? Right. So I think there's two ways to look at that, at least two ways to look at that. Uh, one way to look at it is that, in fact, as I was mentioning earlier, people recognize what they think the right thing to do is, but they're being asked by their supervisors, by their um, colleagues, by their clients to do things that are in contradiction to what they believe the right thing to do is, and they feel this sense of pressure. Mm -hmm. They feel conflicting obligations. The other thing that we're learning more and more from the research, from the behavioral ethics research, is that often, uh, people don't even recognize the ethical conflict. Mm -hmm. They act emotionally when these situations arise, and then afterward, they rationalize post hoc why it was the only thing they could do. Giving voice to values is very effective um, in that arena, too, because um, part of the reason we react emotionally is because at some level, we don't feel equipped to do anything else. Mm -hmm. And so if we start building that kind of moral muscle memory, giving people the sense that they have more options, they are more likely to be able to recognize these issues um, and not have that immediate emotional, I'm just going to close my eyes and, and do what I've been pressured to do. So what can organizations do to help individuals uh, find their voice when it comes to promoting ethics and integrity within their own organizations? Right. Well, I work with a lot of organizations on that, and there's, there's many strategies for ways to do it. But primarily what we're doing is actually introducing this, this reframe because people will automatically look at an ethical issue and go to their default way of looking at it is to figure out what's right. Um, and then they're done. <laughs> and so we keep reframing that and saying, no, no, how would you get this done effectively? So that's the first thing is to encourage people to shift the way they think about values conflict, but then importantly to create context where people can rehearse, pre-script, practice, peer coach. They can share examples of the strategies they've found in their various departments and their various relationships with customers to be effective, to in fact voice in their values effectively. It's so interesting, once we create a context for this, there are many, there are many experts, there are many teachers within the organization, they just haven't had the opportunity to share this with each other. So what you're doing is you're building a conversation within the organization. We have many strategies for that, uh, curricular materials, online materials, but it's also a mindset that managers can bring to their interactions. And then finally, what is the biggest takeaway from giving voice to values that will help individuals find their voice? Yeah, I think what I think is the biggest takeaway is that we have more choices than we think. People will often feel that I just, I, I have no options, I'm, I'm powerless in these situations. And what I've learned through doing this work over several decades is I find people all the time who have found ways to effectively voice and act on their values. And they do it in many ways. They play to their own strengths. If they're introverts, they do it maybe through asking questions. If they're um, more assertive or extroverted, they may do it through more of a, of a dialogue and a debate. But 
the idea is you have more options than you think and that rehearsing them and playing to your own strengths is going to be the most effective strategy. Professor Gentile, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. Thank you. And uh, thank you for watching. Copyright 2018, CFA Institute, all rights reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.